All right, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday night. Damon, you said you weren't going to be here. Yes, I did. Well, I'm here. <laughs> David Zier is sick. Oh, man. So I had to do some finagling, but I'm here because I love you. That's the audience, not the two of you. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we, know, we know that. I mean, geez. Um, so live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Good to be here. A little bit of a rush, but uh, we got lots to talk about. Look who's back. Rick Delgado's here. You know, yeah. Delgado, the audience was worried, number one, that um, that the, the Fauci, you took a job with Dr. Fauci. Oh. I, I, flo- <laughs> I, floated that, I, I floated that idea on social media. Yeah, I'm sure or, that took off. <laughs> or, or on the other hand, that the, that the Vax police came and got you. Um, neither. Okay. Just a, you know, body issue. I'll just say that I threw my back out. I couldn't uh, freaking stand up. It was hurting just to sit down. <laughs> See, you're, you're embarrassed to say that because right. that just means you're getting old. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I as someone who also knows those feelings. <laughs> yep, me too. I'm right there with you. Slick Rick is here with sports in the purple. And I just, oh man, that's a nice combination right there. Always purple. Always baby. looking good. Uh, what's going on? Hey, Big D, how you doing? Big announcement today. Tom Brady made it official, so we're going to have that story. That was dominating the uh, social media and the news airwaves. Although I, it was a little lackluster because he kind of broke the news a little earlier. I, I noticed that, um, well, Dave Portnoy, for, for example, A, was all his panties were all in a twist because <laughs> if you read Mr. Brady's all five, six pages or, or five or six tweets that he put in his whole announcement, there wasn't one mention of the New England Patriots. I know. Not a one. And he, and he uh, took great offense to that. So, 20-year career there. Wow. <laughs> I don't know. So, well, I did see that. So, um, Slick Rick, I talked to Harry Oates today. And Harry said he met somebody at one of these, I think the rally, who is um, – Interested in the show going to broadcast live from a, a rodeo and wants you to be the, the featured um, <laughs> reporter on the scene. Really? Are, are they, are they going to put him in oh, one no, of those I'm, barrels? I'm, very, I'm dead serious. <laughs> Harry said this is a serious guy. Yeah? Oh, yeah. You're not horsing around? <laughs> <laughs> Harry no. said it. It must be true. I'm oh, not, yeah. <laughs> Gospel. Harry said it, so you know it's true. Yeah, Harry's no. going to be on. Uh, I talked to Harry. I love Harry. Harry's going to be on... Um, I don't know. Maybe Thursday. Right. He said you know. he'd be around on Thursday. So we'll <laughs> see what that says. You know, he's like, I'm back in town. I'm like, all right, you're going to be on the show. Well, no, I got stuff to do. Well, you're not. Okay, fine. Tonight's going to have dinner <laughs> with his daughter and whatever. How about tomorrow? Huh? No, I got things to do then. <laughs> he just doesn't give a damn about it. But then the, the nights that he is on, he like takes over completely. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. He just he shows up and hog his time when he's here. He'll be on Thursday. So Harry will be here Thursday. Um, well, there's lots to talk about. But I want to start with, first of all, congratulations to John Sol- the great John Solomon and the equally great Amanda Head. What a pair. But their new show right here on Real America's Voice, Just the News, Not Noise, which is a pretty cool name. Um, and it debuted last night. So they've done two shows. And um, so I'm going to start there, not necessarily with them, because they're great, and the show's great. They got, man, A-list guests all night, every night. But they had Elise Stefanik on last night from New York, one of the big Republican leaders. And um, here's the last 
One of the last questions that John Solomon asked her, and I want you just to listen to her, to her answer. Republicans have a good showing in polling right now. It looks like it could be a good trend year for Republicans. They get in control, control of Congress in early 2023. What are the top priorities that Republicans in the House want to get done right away? Okay. What are the top priorities that Republicans want to get done right away? Now, we have been through, since this uh, fake election, which no one ever wants to talk about, what the Democrats did running into all these states, the state legislature's power being pulled away from them. We've had this phony Biden administration that is full-scale attacking America on every level you can. Border, inflation, spending, you name it, disaster in Afghanistan, everything. We have COVID fascism going on where people's lives are being upended. These shots are being used to ruin people. They have been shown not to be effective. And mandates and ruining people's lives in these shots are, are, is the issue of our time. Dr. Fauci and his ilk is the issue of our time. Here's what the Republicans have on tap. Well, first of all, we're going to earn this majority. We're going to work hard between now until Election Day to put forth what our priorities are, but also prosecute the case of these failed policies from unified Democrat far-left government. What are our priorities? Number one, we're going to secure the border. That's incredibly important. Number two, we're going to stop the spending that has led to historic inflation, the highest rate of inflation over the course of... Okay, I stopped listening right about here. You know why? Because I haven't heard her say yet to subpoena and put under oath Dr. Fauci. That's number one. And she doesn't say that. Securing, okay, not that securing the border, of course, we, President Trump did that. So that's just a return, that's good, G. That's a return to what we know. Law and order, yes, we know that. Support the police, yes. Not to fund, yes, all of that. Nobody should be voting any candidate that's running that, that does not make subpoenaing Dr. Fauci, putting him under oath, and getting to the bottom of everything he's got his little mitts involved with, all the misinformation, all the everything that this guy's been responsible for, shouldn't get your vote. That's just my opinion. Damon, you sound stupid. Maybe. But that's, that's where I stand on anybody running and any leadership to be in any leadership position in the Republican Party. If Dr. Fauci is not on their radar and they're just going to let bygones be bygones, they're not, they're not coming to the right game. They're not, they're not playing on the right ball field. They're playing on the old ball, Republican ball field, which has got us Lindsey Graham's. I'm not interested in that. We know we're for, we're for, for securing the border. We know we're, for, we're, we're pro-police. We know we're for, we think, less spending in the Republican Party, but I don't know. We haven't been too great at that either. But it, it's time to change up the game and how we play ball here. And people's lives have been destroyed by mainly the policies that these scientific experts have put into place starting under the Trump administration but mainly under the Biden administration and the mandates and the out of control. And if that's not on their radar, as they take over, hopefully, all of these committees, Lindsey Graham should be nowhere near a committee. He doesn't have the you-know-whats to be on it anymore. Not that he maybe ever did, the way they elect these 
they didn't have these wacky elections where everybody can vote, he probably wouldn't be in there anyways. You yeah. agree? What do you think of that? Do you agree? I mean, she did nothing. Oh, well, for the border, yeah, I mean, spending I mean, the platitudes. We all know all those right. already. But, but I mean, and, and really, what can you do with the border? You can, you can do what? You can send up, uh, you know, bills to, to get signed that won't get signed, that'll, that'll, that'll end. Um, you'll get senators that will block, even if they are quote-unquote Republicans, they'll block, well, you know, we got to make everybody uh, feel, feel good about this. Um, and that's what, that's what will happen. My question is, Okay, so so what if they go after Fauci and drag him up? Nothing ever happens to these people. That's the problem. And I feel like that's the issue. If we can't actually see something happen. Well, defund his department then. I don't care what it is. Defund the NIH. Something has to change. These people have weaponized all of these the departments. Anyways... Pfizer today is going for emergency youth authorization for shots for six months. Yeah. And again, it's the, and I think you're onto something, it's get rid of these departments, just clean house. And, and he's got to be of part people. of it. He's got to be part of it. His department has to be part of it, whatever. It's, I don't care. I don't, it has to be on their radar. It has to be talked about. It, we have to do what they do. Even if it's a big show, they should be talking about it now. First thing we do when we gain control is he's going under oath. If they're not willing to play hardball, I, I'm, I said this the other night, and I said it last night. Dana Perino made the, the point where people are getting sick and tired. People are getting to their red line with these people, with the crime, with the border, with the illegals being shipped all over this country. And they're and they're and they're there with these with Fauci and the like in the governor of New York and these people. People have had it, and the Republicans are going to take control if they're going to. They better be ready to play the new style of ball. They better be ready to do what what's been done to them. Because I don't think people are going to stand for it. They're not going to stand for rosy platitudes. Oh, we're going to. I don't think. Yeah. And you hope that that some of these people that do end up, you know, making the cut, getting into office, they actually follow through and we don't end up with another Liz Cheney or Adam Kinzinger or the Garabino D-bag out of Long Island. This guy's he's the worst. Somebody's got to challenge that guy and get rid of him. I mean, there are but but they're all over this. There's these swarmy people that make their way in and then you can't they're like an engorged tick and then you can't get them out. And for some stupid reason, and you've seen it before, where they're like, well, you know, the, the approval rating of Congress is only 12%, except for when you poll people about their own representatives. Then their own representatives, you know, oh, 70% is, oh, well, he's my guy. It's like, who cares if he's your guy? If he sucks, he sucks. And it doesn't matter if he's from your area and you, you went to some pancake breakfast where, where he gave you some syrup for your stupid buttermilk pancakes. Nobody cares. If these people are not willing to do what we hire them to do, then we need to fire them. And we shouldn't have to wait for a two-year election to find out, oh, well, this guy turned out to be another Liz Cheney. Uh, there's got to be an immediate remedy where we can be like, you know what? You lied. Um, so now all bets are off. We're, take, we're, we're recalling you. 
And I think that that could, you know, maybe maybe that's something we can start to look into, you know, on the on the uh, uh, on the local level where we can start instituting some of these things that go into effect where if you lied to get into office, which is every politician, but now we have a remedy to be like, we're not going to let you sit there for two, four, six, or eight years and, and consolidate your power and grow and get rich and live off the teat and just extract these people right then and there. Be like, all right, we're doing, we're having a vote. We're having a special vote. We don't care what it costs. We're going to do it, and we're going to get rid of you. J.N. Gordon on Getter says, you're right, Big D. Uh, let's see some more response from the audience. Cancel the rhinos in the primaries, Wade Hobbs. Exactly right. We need to impeach Joe Biden. We need to be on the damn offensive is what we need to be. All of them. All of them. We need we're, we're to get, get rid of these people. They don't want to play ball. We don't, we don't want just enough. It's just enough. Oh, we're going to secure the border. Less spending, blah, blah, blah. Platitude, platitude, platitude. No. Not interested in that resume anymore. Not interested. from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. We'll do more of this. New sports, lots to do coming up. Studio 6B, 17 past the hour. Glad you're in. Rick Delgado is going to do some news. Rick Amorati's got sports coming up here in a second. I noticed over on our friends on Getter. Got to get the Getter audience to be liking and sharing this uh, this stream. Uh, 1,500 uh, people over there. That's not nearly enough for the 8 to 10 hour here on Real America's Voice, Real AM Voice on Getter. We need to get that fired up over there. Don't we? Absolutely. I mean, we need to get some sharing going on and some uh, liking or hearting or whatever the whatever <laughs> it is. Whatever it is. Yeah, keating. It's called keating. Yeah. Keating. We, not, we need to get that. We need to get that fired up over there. Uh, before we do sports, I want to just um, I want to bring you some other news about the Biden administration here. Well, it's not just them, obviously, but just so you can feel good about uh, if you want to. Well, I mean, watching this will actually make you sick to your stomach. G, throw this up. Congratulations, our U.S. national debt just crossed $30 trillion. Hey, congratulations. And in the time I've said that, it's gone up a couple, couple million more. I mean, just look at this. I mean, I don't know what the algorithm here is that figures this out, or that gets this running. But just, just can we take a second to just uh, see how out of control this is as it runs? This is live on the, uh, this is live. If you really want to put it in perspective, though, look at what it says next to it, debt per citizen. That's you. That's all of us. That's what, w- what we would all have to pay right this second. Just crazy. Wow. $30 trillion. $30 trillion, So, All right, let's see. Let's see. For $30 trillion, $4 billion, $569 million. Okay, five sixty nine. Let's see by ten o'clock where that. Uh, see if we're still at five sixty nine. I bet we're not. Obviously, well, obviously we're not. We're almost going to be. We'll be at five seventy five probably by then. So, 
before this segment ends. All right, let's yeah. do sports and hear what that – yeah. <laughs> you know, we could get your debt cleared out here in about four seconds on the dead clock. <laughs> dead clock there, uh, Rick Amorati. What's going on in sports? All right. Well, speaking of clearing wow. out, Big D, the best to ever do it at his position, the GOAT, retired today. He hung him up. Tom Brady officially announced retirement after a thrilling ride with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and New England Patriots. This is an ESPN News Services report. Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Tom Brady has officially announced his retirement from the NFL, saying – Tuesday in an Instagram post that he is not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. Uh, I have always believed the sport of football is an all-in proposition. If 100% competitive commitment isn't there, you won't succeed. And success is what I love so much about our game. Brady said in his statement on Instagram, there is a physical, mental, and emotional challenge every single day that has allowed me to maximize my highest potential, and I have tried my very best these past 22 years. There are no shortcuts to success on the field or in life. This is difficult for me to write, but here it goes. I'm going to make that competitive commitment. I'm not going to make that competitive commitment anymore. I have loved my NFL career, and now it's time to focus my time and energy on other things that require my attention. I've done a lot of reflecting the past week and have asked myself difficult questions. I am so proud of what we have achieved. My teammates, coaches, fellow competitors, and fans deserve 100% of me. But right now, it's the best I leave the field, I leave the field to play to the next generation of dedicated and committed Athletes. Brady, 44 years old, widely considered the greatest quarterback in NFL history, won seven, count them, seven Lombardi trophies. Uh, the most championships won by a single player, along with five Super Bowl MVPs. Just to put it in perspective, no NFL franchise has won more than six Super Bowls. So that's incredible that he did that on his own. And he went to 10. Yes, he went. To, boy, he could have easily won all 10, too. It was a lot of tough games. Yeah. Um, but, you know, he rewrote much of the NFL record book with personal and team accomplishments. He piled up career win, uh, records such as most touchdown passes, 624. Most passing yards, 84,250, uh, of which 20 were with the New England Patriots. And uh, my, my playing career has been a thrilling ride and far beyond my imagination and full of ups and downs. Brady led the Bucks to a Super Bowl title last season and NFC South Championship this season has been adamant for weeks that he never wanted the farewell season. And I really admire him about that. He didn't milk the season and have that farewell tour where teams are giving him gifts before the game and all. That's class. And, you know, hey, love him or hate him. And a lot of people in New York hate him because, well, the poor Jets, they've been the doormats for the Patriots for 20 years. So they don't really care for him. But um, he's a great player. There's no question about it. Probably, I think the, I think the Eagles are about on their ninth farewell tour. <laughs> so, so, Absolutely, Big yeah. D. All right, that's a wrap in sports. I have some other stuff coming up later in spring training and what's going on with baseball. There's some issues there. Yes, there are some issues there. Oh, yeah. there. Yes, there are. So, All right, very good. Slick Rick at Slick Rick Sports on uh, Getter and on Twitter. And here with the news is uh, Rick Delgado. He, What is your Getter? It's at- uh, Ugly American Rick or <clears throat> Ugly American Radio. Either one, you'll find me on Getter. I just crossed 2,000, so thank you, 2,000 people. You have two, you have two Getters? No. But uh, there's the, like, you have to put in the... It's like the username versus right. the handle on Twitter. Exactly. E- oh. Either one will get you there. Oh, very good. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, I know we were talking about uh, stuff uh, where when it comes to <laughs> people not people not paying for, for their crimes. Well, add up Andrew Cuomo to that list, because according to the upstate DA, there will be no more charges against Andrew Cuomo. Yes, the district attorney's office in Oswego has declined to pursue charges against the former governor, insisting the decision is not an exoneration. Sure, yeah, right. Uh, But rather a limitation of the law. 
Uh, Virginia Limititis accused Cuomo of touching her without consent during a 2017 con, uh, conservation event in upstate New York. Uh, although the recollection, recollection of events was reliable and reasonable, the DA said on Monday there was not sufficient legal basis for the charges. The current sex offense statutes in New York failed to properly hold offenders accountable and failed to adequately protect victims Oaks said in a statement, if justice is ever to be obtained for the countless victims who are sexually abused and blah, 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 the law must be revised and reformed to reflect the lived experiences of the victims. So there you have it. Um, Governor Cuomo getting away with everything. Wow. I'm so shocked about this here in New York. Wow. Governor Cuomo off the hook in New York. Wow. Shocker. (laughs) It's like the mass mandate on Friday upheld. By the appellate uh, court here. Oh, wow. So surprised. Yeah. Just unbelievable. Hey, not sure how much you talked about uh, Joe Rogan and, and Spotify, but the White House earlier today indicated that Spotify's attempts to address what they describe as coronavirus misinformation on podcast Joe Rogan's interviews was not a strong enough response to the freedom of speech controversy. Spotify announced a decision Sunday to include content advisory warnings on Rogan's interviews about the coronavirus pandemic with sources dissenting from the government narrative about the virus. It's a positive step, but more can be done. Uh, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said during the daily briefing on Tuesday. Cut five. Roll it, G. Last week, the Surgeon General also was asked uh, on MSNBC about Joe Rogan's vaccine comments uh, on Spotify, and he said that tech companies have an important role to play in stopping misinformation because uh, they are the predominant places where misinformation spreads. Um, Spotify is putting out uh, advisory warnings on episodes that have to do with COVID-19. Does the White House and the administration think this is a satisfactory step, or do you uh, do you think that companies like Spotify should go further than just you know putting a label on there to say, hey, go do your own, you know, t- check this out, you know, there's more research you can look at, you know, scientific research regarding COVID. Sure. Well, last July, I, I, you probably know, but the Surgeon General also took the unprecedented step to issue an advisor on the risk of misinformation in public health, which is a very significant step. Oh, yeah. And amid that, he most talked of it about comes from you. Social media platforms have so our hope is that all major tech platforms and all major news sources for that matter be responsible and be vigilant to ensure the american people have access to accurate information on something as significant as covid 19 that certainly includes spotify so this disclaimer it's a positive step but we want every platform to continue doing more to call out (laughs) and miss and disinformation while also uplifting accurate information i mean look at the facts right you are 16 times more likely to be hospitalized if you're unvaccinated and 60 eight times more likely to die than someone who is boosted if you're unvaccinated. That's, that's, that's gee, I can't listen to this. What, what, where, Saidi, what, what studies is she getting that number from? Where does she cite that from? Where? They wrote it for her. I mean, it's so ridiculous. There's no study that shows that number. 68 times. What? She's just making it up. They're, they are the source of more misinformation than any place else all right more news when we get back live from studio 6b on a tuesday
Why doesn't the U.S. have an ambassador in Ukraine? This is a critical component to diplomacy. Ask the Biden administration and the Ukrainian government. The Biden administration has nominated Bridget Brink to be ambassador to Ukraine, but is waiting for the government in Ukraine to approve the candidate. After failing to prevent this conflict from escalating, President Biden has dropped the ball diplomatically, failing to get a full-time ambassador confirmed. After readying 8,500 troops and sending weapons, the lack of having an ambassador has been a critical diplomatic mistake. Diplomacy is the one thing Joe Biden campaigned on, and now the world doesn't seem to care. This American president lacks the credibility to even get an ambassador confirmed to the detriment of the American people. The Ukrainian government has been waiting to approve the U.S.'s pick to negotiate on our behalf, and now it doesn't really seem to matter. The U.N. and NATO are now at a critical juncture since their inception. Ukraine doesn't have NATO membership, but Russia has permanent status on the U.N. Security Council. This is why having an ambassador in place would have helped the U.S. With still no ambassador in place and all the money the U.S. government has poured into Ukraine, and given the Biden family, one has to wonder what's taking so long. I'm Christopher Carter in Washington. All right, 31 past the hour, <clears throat> live from Studio 6B. So um, we've had Jason Miller on. I love Getter, love the audience to Getter, but <laughs> I just want to make a suggestion over to our friend Jason Miller and maybe to the people over at Getter. And that would be, it would probably be good to have a, on your live stream page, when you go to share, share on Twitter, I see, share on Facebook, I see, but I don't see share on Getter. So I, I mean, it's probably would be good if people could share it on their Getter page without having to hit the copy link, then leave the stream, go to their page, paste the link, make a post then come back into the stream. So that would be my suggestion. Probably be easier to people to share it if we put a share on Getter, maybe like instantaneously. I don't, I don't know. The G, I mean, wouldn't that be easier? I mean, it does take a whole five <laughs> seconds to copy that link. No, I, I agree oh, Okay, fine. Maybe I'm, so maybe no, I'm I wrong. agree with you. Most people won't hit copy link and I'm leave I'm not going to open two tabs to paste stuff. Yeah. I want it all there. I mean, we 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 want to get the we want to get the Getter audience like ripping here. It's 2022. Come on, Getter. Like, yeah, come on, share on Getter. We need that button. We gotta we gonna have Jason Miller on and tell him. So I got like 18 tabs going right. All right. Now. Well, speaking of those tabs, hopefully you had some good news <laughs> in those tabs. Let's do some more of it now. News is brought to you by our friends at SevenCells.com. Uh, Dr. Timothy Chung is going to join us on Thursday night because we've listened to you, the people, and a lot of you have written me hundreds of emails about things you are looking for. As you prepare, as all of us should and will have to, to deal with this forever. Um, and certain things you're looking for in, um, as far as Omicron and other things. So we're going to have them on Thursday. We may have some things you're interested in hearing. New packs, new things, new, uh, new programs available. Um, hydroxychloroquine, tune in Thursday night. Uh, let's do some news with Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Speaking of uh, pharmaceuticals, let's just jump to this story. Not sure if you heard about this from PJ Media. I'm grabbing this from uh, 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 pal Kevin Downey Jr. Uh, reporting on the nurse practitioners 
uh, from Long Island that got busted for forging fake vaccine passports and adding bogus vaccine info into the New York State immunization information system. Yeah, I saw this. <laughs> they operated out of Wild Child Pediatric Healthcare, a kid's medical office in Amityville, New York, which is on Long Island in the clinic. Um, now, now, the price for the vaccine... Uh, scheme was 220 bucks for adults and 85 bucks for kids between the time they started according to this it's november of 2021 so just a couple months ago to january of 2022 law enforcement found nine hundred a thousand dollars in cash at the home of one of the nurses and a financial ledger showing that they made closer to $1.5 million, wow. $1.5 million in roughly three months uh, proving that there's a lot of people out there that don't want this vaccine. The Wild Child Facebook page for the business said, Hello, everyone. Thank you for the outpouring of support at this difficult time. <laughs> Please keep my family and Marissa in your prayers as well. The responses, of course, uh, from pro-vaccine people were brutal, uh, calling for their imprisonment. And uh, the attorney that for them has not yet released a statement. Um, but one attorney for, I, I guess they both they have two different attorneys, Ugaro's attorney is speaking out. We look forward to highlighting the legal impediments and defects in the investigation. Uh, the attorney, Mr. Michael Albert, stated, it's our hope that the accusation definitely doesn't overshadow the good work Miss Uraro's done for children and adults in the medical field. Well, good luck, but it's going to. Oh, yeah, yeah so. deep, deep trouble. Deep, deep, deep trouble. Hey, it's New York State. They're going to take action, you know, like they do with everything else. Yeah, right. And again, it's just I'm staggered by the amount of money that they pulled in in just three months. I'm not. Unfortunately, I'm not. And um, I'm not even surprised that sometimes, I mean, you can see where something like this would happen now. Speaking more of the people who actually went and not speaking of the two who were running this scheme because. Right. You got to have personal responsibility for your own actions and they're going to pay the price. It's stupid. But you can see where people desperate to try to figure out how to, to uh, run away from tyranny. And that's the problem. And this is the problem with the shots now, with how demented that um, now they're going for an authorization to use six months and older. A group that has shown zero effectiveness in the trials they've had of these vaccines. Also a group that COVID poses almost zero statistical threat to them. But in the same vein that people would do that, and these two get in trouble, is because they, these companies pry on the irrational anxiety that parents now have because they listen to the media, they listen to Dr. Fauci, they listen to Jen Psaki uh, give stats that are just made up. They don't come from any studies. They hear the governor of New York pushing your kids have to wear these masks or they're in danger. So you have parents that are wrought with irrational anxiety and they don't know what to do. Because they buy into all of this. Because it's hammered into them night after night after day after day after day. That you're putting your kids at risk that something's going to happen. That they have a better, they're going to die. I mean. Not only that, that people are being pressured by, uh, you know, their, their employers. 
to make sure that they have it or, or if they want to go somewhere. Well, you got to have this. Um, yeah, it's, it's just another form of control and tyranny that they're using. And, and this is, like you said, people are trying to avoid it. They don't, they know they don't want the vaccine, but unfortunately we've, we've kind of, we've kind of seeded and I don't know why people believe it, but your, your freedom and your liberty doesn't come from the government. You're born with it. They're supposed to enforce it for you, not take it from you. And I think that's one thing that people are missing. It's like the, the government, when you hear some of these people on TV, especially these talking heads go, uh, the Dr. Liana Wens, they want to punish people. They want to take away their liberty. They're enjoying too much liberties without, without having the, the, the vaccine. Uh, excuse me, uh, psycho, but the government doesn't give this to you. These are granted from, you, from, from God when you're born. That's yeah, but, part of the, the but they deal. Don't, they don't care. Oh, I know that. But that's part of the deal of what, what it means to live in this country, to be a citizen in this country. And, and I think too many people have forgotten that. They think, well, to have liberty, I got to do this. No, 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 no. If you let them do that, then that's what it will take. And you're making it harder for everybody else. Uh, true. The problem is when you live, it, some of that also has to do with you know, when you live in a place where all you see is them continue to win, like a place like New York or California or Illinois, where you're not only up against the governor, you're up against the legislature, most of them, you're up against the courts, you're up against every arm of the iron-fisted, top-down government of where you are, there's no win. They don't see any way to avoid the tyranny. There's no way to avoid it. You're not going to win a lawsuit. You're not going to, there's no way to win. It just is never ending, relentless, pounding, threatening. And people don't see, they don't see any significant pushback as much as they want to push back. There's no way to push back in some of these places because they have all, every arm of every outfit in their back pocket. Yeah, and a lot of them can't move. People want to move. Believe me, a lot of people want to move. Unfortunately, they're tied to a job, or they, you know, they they tied to their their home and they can't move. That's that's part of the problem as well. Look at let's just look at the masks here in New York. You had this Supreme Court judge in New York, which unfortunately is not the highest. The way it works here, write this saying she doesn't have the power to do this. It's unconstitutional. One day it went for. They go to another judge, immediately grants a stay. Then it goes to the, that same judge, and I guess maybe, I think it was a three-judge or appellate panel, and they rule in favor of the governor. They rule in favor of the governor. And she comes out and says, oh, thank God, and we're protecting. There's not, as Joe Rogan said, even CNN at this point openly says these cloth masks do nothing. Do nothing. So what's the big fight over? The fight is over the power. The fight is over the control of you in your life and these tyrants like her will never give it up. And they think it's in the greater good. There's no facts. There's no science. There's no discussion. Nothing. That's what people see. 
There's plenty of people in this area on Long Island and New York, Nassau, Suffolk County, New York City, who have had it. Look at these rallies that are being held. But, But when you're up against judicial tyranny, when you're up against governmental tyranny, when you're up against a North Korean style like leader in the governor, what? There's just, there's nowhere else. What, what do you do? What do you do? So people get, fr- so that's how something like this news story, getting all the way back to where we started, right. do, does those kind of numbers. What else, what other choice do you have than well, try to dupe the system? And, and you know what's telling about those numbers is that that's a lot of people. Which means we do have the numbers. We outnumber them. It's a, simple, it's a simple math equation. Either you want liberty and you want your freedom, or you want to just kowtow to whatever the government says, and you have to believe it, and you have to do it, and that's it. And, and believe me, that's only about 10 or 15% of the people. Most of us don't agree with it and don't want it. And all we have to do is kind of look around and, and use, our, use our power. We have to start pushing back even harder. It, it, you see it in Suffolk County, in, in Long Island, where the, the, you know, the, the guy was like, well, we're not going to enforce now because he sees the tide, and the tide has changed. And I think that the, the, governor, the governor here, she's holding on to her last eyebrow. You know what I'm saying? She's just holding on for dear life. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Live from Studio 6B, more sports, more news coming up. We'll get to some good clips, too. Whoopi, she went on Colbert last night. (laughs) Oh, boy. Made things way better. to the hour live from studio 6b on a tuesday night glad you're in rick delgado is going to do some more news here in a second but let's do a little sports and here with that is slick rick rick Amirati. what's going on pal hey big d well brian flores sues nfl three teams as full <laughs> miami dolphins coach alleges racism in oh, hiring practices. this story is wild <laughs> wild wild absolutely this is from Marcel Luis Jacques from ESPN. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Brian Flores has sued the NFL and three teams, the Dolphins, the Broncos, and the Giants, alleging discrimination regarding his interview processes with Denver and New York and his firing last month by Miami. The 58-page lawsuit was filed in Manhattan Federal Court earlier today and seeks class action status. In it, Flores claims Dolphins owner Stephen Ross attempted to incentivize him to tank or purposely lose games shortly after he was hired in 2019 with uh, Ross allegedly offering Flores 100 grand for every loss that season. I like that one, Big D. Uh, Flores says that as the team won games late in the season, Dolphins general manager Chris Greyer told him Ross was mad that Flores' on-field success was compromising the team's draft position. He was eventually fired on January 10th, 2022, despite recording the franchise's first back-to-back winning seasons since 2003. He was 10-6 and in 2020 and 9-8 and in 2021. Flores also 
allege the Giants interviewed him last month for their head coaching vacancy for no other reason than compliance with NFL's Rooney Rule, which requires teams to interview minority candidates for their open positions. Um, the Giants said they are pleased and confident with the process, so obviously they're denying the allegations. Uh, we interviewed an impressive and diverse group of candidates. The team said the fact of the matter is Brian Flores was in, was in the conversation to be our head coach until the 11th hour. Ultimately, we hired the individual we felt that was most qualified to be our next head coach. Now, here's where it gets wild. <laughs> Whose first because, name also is Brian. <laughs> right, right. And, and, and what's very interesting is good old Bill Belichick, you know, he, he got a little inside information uh, from, from the Giants and the Bills that they were getting ready to hire whom he thought – Brian Flores, but no, it actually was Brian Dable uh, who ended up with the job, the Buffalo Bills uh, offensive coordinator. So that is really uh, so, just a bizarre story. Well, here's what's really bizarre. It's <laughs> it part going. of the lawsuit. He sent in these text messages with Bill Belichick. Yep. So in Belichick's phone, he had him in as Brian only. And he must have forgotten that he knows two head, you know, two coaches in the NFL named Brian, maybe more than two, but two, at least two named right. Brian. And it didn't have a last name or a last initial. So he's, <laughs> so Belichick's talking to Brian, thinking that it's Brian Dable from Buffalo. Right. Going, no, I think, yeah, you're the guy. Uh, good, uh, good to hear you're going to get another job yeah. or you're going to get hired. Giants say you're, you're the guy. And then like the second page of the back and forth, Brian Flores from Miami <laughs> says, Coach, you are you know you're talking to Brian Flores, right? <laughs> Not good. And Belichick goes, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was Brian Dable. <laughs> sorry. So sorry, pal. You didn't get the job. A lot of inconsistency. Ooh. And then with the Denver Broncos interview, apparently John Elway showed up with a hangover. It was a 7.30 in the morning uh, interview, and there was five executives, and John Elway came in and apologized that he was out drinking all night, and he came in, you know, totally, you know, hungover. Well, that, well that's what the – that's yeah. Brian Flores' claim. Exactly. Well, that is Brian. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. Brian Flores seems to me to be an excellent head coach. What he did in Miami, I, I was impressed with what he did there. He seems like he's a no-nonsense guy. That team was horrifically bad when he got there. But I, I think he's ruined his chance here to ever get a head coaching job by just um, oh yeah. airing all the dirty laundry here and just having no – I mean, I don't know. This just doesn't seem – you know, listen. Do these guys – I mean, I think most guys – who have made it to be able to own a professional team? They want the, they want the best guy they think can win them a championship. They do not care about skin color. I I just don't believe that. I know that's his claim, and that's a claim of a lot of other people. But if you spent five billion dollars to buy the whatever, and you're spending whatever it is every year to operate the team. You just want to hire who you think is going to win you the most games. Exactly. That, that's, that's, they don't take the Joe Biden route. That's not what they do. Now, he, sh he should definitely, I, I think he's, he should get hired somewhere because he's a, he's a good coach, seems to me. But, man, I don't see how this helps him. No, I think teams are going to avoid him like the plague, you know, I have no doubt. So, and that's a wrap in sports. Big deal. I'll have that baseball story in the next segment. All right. Thanks, Rick. Uh, let's do some news. Uh, news is brought to you by 7cells.com where you can get 10% off your order. If you want to look at that early treatment pack and well, there might be something new coming out this week. Some new packs. 
uh, more uh, focused on Omicron and some other things. So I hope I'm not spilling the beans here ahead of time. But on Thursday, Dr. Chung will join us. Uh, 7cells.com. Use code LFS6B for 10% off. Here's Rick with the news. All right. Two police officers have been killed in Virginia this afternoon in a college shooting. Uh, yeah, another another down day for the boys in blue. Two police officers have died following a shooting, shooting Tuesday afternoon at Bridgewater College in Virginia. Authorities stated the shooting occurred at about 1.20 p.m. and a male suspect was apprehended, uh, the college said, st- said in a press release. An email sent to students and faculty shortly after 5 p.m. Bridgewater College President David Bushman identified campus police officer John Painter and campus safety officer J.J. Jefferson as the two casualties. John was J.J.'s best man in his wedding this year. He called them the dynamic duo, according to a report from the New York Times. The shelter-in-place order that was going on in campus ended around 4.30, and they have not yet publicly identified the suspect at this time. But unfortunately... As we saw what happened in New York last week, and now we see it happen in Virginia. Two more uh, officers gunned down in the line of duty. Another Awful. sad, sad story. I saw. Do you know the number of police officers killed in the line of duty this year? I believe is the highest, and by a a wide margin. Like I heard this the other day, and I was just astounded by the number. Already in 2022, I think 63 maybe. Now it's probably 65, 66, 67. I don't have it in front of me, but the number is astounding. It is so sad. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, you go back to, I, I don't know if we played it. Um, from yesterday, was it yesterday when uh, Saki was talking about uh, crime and how, you know, she kind of laughed it off? Um, we had the clip yesterday. I don't think we actually... Did we actually play her original clip when she was sitting in her office there? Do we have it? Check and see if we have it. Or Rick will do some more news, and if we have it, we'll go back to it. But I, I said yesterday, Dana Perino's, to me, her um, the point she made I thought was a good one. And, I, and it, it's my complaint with Elise Stefanik. And I'm not... You know, I, I, people don't want to hear the platitudes about what, we, what the party... No, no. People are sick and tired of all of this. Yeah, They're sick and tired of the science, the Fauci, the mandates, the this, and they're sick of crime, and they're sick of seeing police officers killed, and they're sick of these people in the Democratic Party who, who are, are just pushing for more lawlessness and lawlessness and lawlessness all over the country. They're sick of a president who pushes more lawlessness than anyone else at the border. Here's Saki, roll it. If you look at Fox on a daily basis, I mean, do you remember the four boxes that you had that we had on all the TVs, right? Which mm-hmm. is on my TV right now. So right now, just to give you a sense, so CNN, Pentagon, as many as 8,500 U.S. troops on heightened alert. Okay, true. Same on MSNBC. CNBC is doing their own thing about the market. And then on Fox is Janine Pirro talking about soft on crime consequences. I mean, what what does that even mean? Right. Um, So there's an alternate universe on some uh, coverage. What's scary about it is a lot of people watch that. Soft on crime means dead police officers. What does that mean? I mean, moron. Well, if uh, if Dana Perino is right in the sense of what we all feel is right, she's going to find out what that means. And they're going to find out what it means come November. Because the, the American people have had it. And they're seeing it all over. And I, and I still go back 
to my naivete, maybe, of saying, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, too. Rudy Giuliani told us there was no, nobody came up to him more than African-American mothers, who mostly, I would think, vote Democrat, and said, Mr. Mayor, we need more police. from Studio 6B, Hour 2 coming up. Glad you're in. We're back right after this. from Studio 6B, Hour 2 on a Tuesday night. Real America's Voice, Dish Network, Channel 219, Pluto TV, Channel 240, Samsung TV Plus, Channel 1029. Of course, streaming live on Getter. Real AM Voice, Real at Real AM Voice. Make sure you also follow our page at LFS6B. Pushing close to 10,000. We need to get over 10,000. Let's see if we can do a little push tonight at LFS6B on Getter. If you haven't followed, follow us right now. Uh, we'll see if we can get uh, maybe over the 10,000 mark. Uh, let's check in, G, on the national debt. I think we are at $30,57,000. Oh, forget that. Whoa. <laughs> now it's 632. What was it? 569, right? Yeah, 569. Now we're 632. 632 million. Well, make it six hundred thirty-three million. And don't yeah. forget about that four billion there. There you go. Yeah. Well, yeah, I know the four billion. Well, I mean, the numbers get to, at some point. You just start at the four billion six hundred thirty-three million. I think the course. per citizen versus per taxpayer number is kind of interesting as well. Per citizen, per taxpayer, yeah. Odd that those aren't closer, huh? Well, you got a bunch of kids that probably aren't paying taxes there. Brandon. I mean, who who can figure these numbers? I mean, just it's just. <laughs> I, think I mean, need, I think we need an explanation from Joe Biden, Big D. I'd love to see him run those numbers for us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear him count. Yeah. <laughs> you know the. I mean, we're going to get the jobs numbers. Um, February, what's it, this Friday, the 4th, probably going to have a negative number. And then I think on the 10th, we get CPI. And I just, I get a, I get a chuckle out of everything that's going on. The markets are all kind of risk off. Everybody's afraid. Markets, big correction. Everything's down 20, 30%. And everyone's talking about the Fed raising rates and how, uh, you know, what's going to happen. The Fed could raise rates from... For the next two years, every quarter, and we'd only be at 2% federal funds rate. We're at zero, effectively zero right now. If you believe the government's data, which I don't, CPI, just the fact that housing alone is like 4% of it, they say it's at 4%. I mean, if, probably more like 17 percent so if you don't if you don't believe the government's data which i don't it's not seven then cpi is not 7.1 percent now i don't know what the new number is going to be it may be hotter maybe 7.1 again 7.2 maybe 7.5 it's malarkey if you ask me because none of it's going to be close to what it really is 
So if the Fed raises rates four times, a quarter point each, it's at 1%. If, if even taking the government's numbers at 7.1%, what, what's that doing? That's not getting inflation under, that's not getting out in front of it. That's not getting out, that's not going to deal with it. This is what I keep saying. I, I, you know, I know the Fed, they say they're going to be real hawkish, but what it's going to mean for even servicing the debt, the country will be damn insolvent. The, the, there's not many tools for the Fed. You know, Paul Volcker under Ronald Reagan raised interest rates to, I believe, about 18% to get out in front of inflation, to really get a hold of it. You know why he could do that? Because of that, because he didn't have this clock that I keep putting up on the screen. <laughs> yeah. The, the 30 was not even there. And the two zeros after it weren't there, I believe. We started it like the four. So you could raise interest rates to 20%, 18% like he had to, and still service the national debt. If we did that now, the country would be insolvent. So he's going to raise it to 1%, maybe 2%. There was a time not too long ago that cutting the rates down to 1% or 2% would have been thought of as a stimulus action. Now, oh, he's going to raise to 1%. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. If you think that's going to get a hold of inflation, I can tell you it's not going to. Which is why I continue to say inflation will be the story of 2022. Because most likely it is going to get worse. It's definitely going to get worse in your real life, not these phony government numbers they give us. You're feeling it. You'll see it. You'll feel it. Continue to. But the Fed is not going to, you know, that's the, the danger is the Fed is not going to be able to get out in front of inflation. It doesn't have the tools to do it. It just doesn't have the, a way to do it. I mean, I hear Kathy Wood and these people talking about deflation, stagflation's coming up, depression. And, you know, bad tax policy and all this other stuff can, I mean, I could see some of that. But I, I, in the short term, this year, maybe into late next year, you could start talking about some of that other stuff. But I just don't see how, I don't know why everyone's freaking out about four interest rate hikes. That somehow that's going to be, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm, I mean, what do I know? Nothing. I know the most basics. We got to get Steve Moore on the show. He knows a lot about this stuff. But the markets are all freaking out about four <laughs> freaking out about four rate hikes to 1% that in any other lifetime, uh, uh, even up to 2018 to get to 1% would have thought of stimulating the economy. We were at 2 and a half in 2018. So, I don't know. Crazy. That's why I like. I tell you. That's why I tell you every night about Birch Gold. That's an option you have to consider. We'll talk about that a little later. But uh, let's do some more news with Rick Delgado. We haven't done too much news tonight. What else is going on in the news, Rick? All right. Well, the New York Times is suing the U.S. government for Hunter Biden's business dealings. Uh, they are suing the State Department to obtain emails from the Romanian embassy. Officials sent between the years 2015 and 2019 detailing Hunter's business dealings. 
The Biden administration has reportedly told the New York Times as soon as it could possibly hand over this information is April of 2023. So you're going to have to wait at least a year and a few months uh, to get that information. A lawsuit follows a 2019 report from the FBI subpoenaing uh, J.P. Morgan for Hunter's Chinese business dealings. And that coming from our friends over on the live from Studio 6B uh telegram account i think it was clayton holt who sent me that so thanks for sending that also speaking of uh other things that you might be interested in boris johnson remember him well the prime minister boris johnson he jetted off to the ukraine to hold talks with uh, president vladimir Zelensky just one day after the release of the partygate report into alleged breaches of lockdown rules over at number 10 downing street it seems to be an attempt to reset the narrative after the civil servant Sue Gray accused the government of serious failures in abiding by its own lockdown rules. And Mr. Johnson, of course, caught in between it all, has put himself in the middle of the brewing conflict between Russia and the Ukraine. He arrived in Kiev on Tuesday afternoon and was received by a military guard of honor. It appears likely that the UK, Poland and Ukraine are to announce a trilateral pact with Ukraine's prime minister saying the agreement came in contact with ongoing Russian aggression. The United Kingdom has already agreed to join a defense collaboration with Poland and the Ukraine last year with sales of warships and missiles central to the UK's uh, involvement. So um, Daniel Horowitz has a piece today in speaking, getting back to what we talked about a little bit in hour one about the demented FDA going for um, youth authorization for six months and older. And Horowitz has a piece in The Blaze today entitled GOP Governors Must Ban Shots for Babies and Toddlers. And he says it's utterly senseless. Pfizer is now asking to authorize a dangerous, outdated shot for babies and toddlers for whom the virus does not pose a statistical risk. Gee, do we have this? Thank you. And for a virus against which the shots have failed to show any benefit. Yet, just as taxes and death are a certainty in life, you can bank on the FDA never turning down any Pfizer request. And boy, isn't that the truth? This is where Republican governors must serve as the safety net for people. They must actively oppose expanding the shots to the final control group against the greatest experiment on mankind. In one of the most shocking and immoral moves since the beginning of the pandemic, Pfizer is submitting its request this week for emergency youth authorization of its COVID-19 shot for babies as young as six months old through five years old. They are quite literally pushing a shot with the hopes of um, ameliorating symptoms, not stopping transmission of a virus that is a cold for young children and much less dangerous than RSV. But here's the kicker. The trial they conducted showed that two doses failed to even produce positive results. And they are still working on a trial for a three-dose regimen. Plus, we have a new variant. So what exactly are they seeking authorization for? As other, I mean, I mean, when you think about this just on a human level, you know, your parents, any, any parents out there, as you've become parents, you go through your kids being born and you pray that they're healthy and you pray that they, you know, you try to do everything in the young years for their immune system to grow strong. Some mothers decide they want to breastfeed for much, for as long as they can possibly do it. You know, and there's 
There's been studies that show that that helps their immune. I mean, there's so many things as a parent you go through when you have kids. Then you start dealing with the vaccination issue, the regular, you know, measles, mumps, rebel, all of the standard vaccinations that we've given kids for years and the schedule of that. And that's something parents, I mean, if they, if they, if they don't just take for granted whatever the doctor says, which I think now if you do that and you do, you have no interest or no knowledge of vaccines or thimerosal or mercury or what's in some of these things, and you just trust your doctor, which a lot of people probably do. I think in the child's first four years, five years of life, at this point, got to be close. I don't want to guess. I'll bet it's like 20, 25 shots the kids get if you go under the doctor's schedule. Now, um, some parents who maybe know, don't want to go, let me just say, don't go on that schedule, do a little research, maybe have some questions, I'll put it, to put it nicely, have to struggle to find a doctor who's willing to work with the parents to go on their own schedule. And just to take my own example of my own kids, I went through three doctors to find one that would allow me to go off of the quote-unquote vaccine schedule that most kids would get as they go to a pediatrician. Certain number of shots per visit, only, I would only do one. Certain shots, if you waited long enough in between, instead of doing three of them or four of them, you could do one of them. So there were certain things, if you did enough research and asked enough questions and pressed hard enough, you could, um, you know, we took the number down to a minuscule number of shots our kids needed, and they were considered, they could go to school and were considered as up-to-date as any other kid. But because we did our own schedule, we gave a lot less shots than most parents would have. And that was our decision. But my, well, I got to go. I, well, for, my point being, you do everything to get their immune system to nurture, to grow, to be as effective as possible, come in contact with things, build up immunity, to think about shooting kids this young with this is mind-boggling. All right, we'll, we'll more of this when we get back. All right, 17 past the hour, live from Studio 6B on a Tuesday. Glad you're in. We'll do some more news. Rick, we'll do a little more on these um, demented psychos at Pfizer and the FDA on these shots for these kids. I mean, these immune systems are most kids, 99.9%, so strong. These kids go out. I mean, you know, the old kids go out and eat dirt. And I mean, just their immune systems are so strong. They come in contact with so much stuff. The idea of screwing with their immune system, their bodies, their everything at such an important time of growth is just sickening. It is sickening to think about how demented you have to be to think you'd have to do that. Especially where we are in this. Especially where we are. Well, it's really not about health. We, I think we, all, we already see that. We've known that for a long time. It's never been about health. It's for some reason they just want everybody vaccinated. Why? Why is getting a drug pumped into somebody's veins so important to them? 
What's in it? Seriously, what's in it? It obviously doesn't stop what it's supposed to stop, right? Everybody that's in the hospitals, oh, you know, it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated. No, we're just the ones with the pure blood. Um, it's the ones that are vaccinated that seem to be having a lot of problems. Check the VAERS, which is only about 10%. And that's according to the CDC. They say it only, it only accounts for about 10% of the actual vaccine injuries. So when you start to look at those numbers and extrapolate that out, this is something that had been stopped in the first week if this was 30, 40 years ago. They would have stopped it in the first week as soon as somebody had a reaction, like that nurse who passed out. And from what I understand, I don't think she's alive anymore. She was like, they made the big, uh, you know, the big uh, production of her being the first one taking the shot or something like that. Um, I'm not sure whatever happened to her. You'd have to look that up. I think I read something about that. I'm not sure. But uh, these things, uh, uh, no, sorry. There's too, there's too much unknown. And for them to now want to start pumping it into babies, babies, something that they have no idea what it could possibly do. Look at Chantrix. They only found out from Pfizer's Chantrix that it causes cancer 15 years later. Yeah. Makes you scratch your head. All right, let's do some sports. Sports is brought to you by MyPillow. Go over to MyPillow.com slash LFS6B. Flash sale right now on the Giza Dream Sheets. Nice. No, I guarantee you can't make these sheets for what they're selling them for. I don't even understand it. Thirty nine ninety nine for the geese dream sheet. 60 percent off. The sales over there on on my on our my pillow page are ridiculous. Fifty percent off slippers. The geese dream sheets. Thirty nine ninety nine. They're the best sheets you ever slept on. You can't even make them for thirty nine nine. I don't. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't get it. But they're there. They're for sale. LFS6B is the code. Use it at checkout. Here's Slick Rick. What's going on, pal? All right, Big D. Well, you know how I love to butter up the audience. And, uh, well, I located the ACL Pro Johnsonville Cornhole Championships. It'll be February 11th to the 13th at Mandalay Bay in <laughs> Vegas, baby. You got it. Over 65000 in guaranteed cash payouts. The 2022 ACL kickoff battle is the first of four national tournaments of the year for ACL Pro players. Similar to majors in golf, these ACL Pros are competing for high prize money and payouts and standings that lead up to the 2022 ACL World Championships. All ACL national events are broadcast on ESPN networks and open to the public for spectating. So that's the weekend of the Super Bowl, but it'll be over in the Mandalay Bay, the beautiful Mandalay Bay in Las Vegas, Nevada. Yeah. And uh, I will have a full report. We'll keep it tracking. And looks like there's about 10 tournaments coming up in the next you know, year or so. So we'll guys keep who, a track on it. Those guys who play it are unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, yep. if you've ever played it, I mean, it's... I think everybody's played it's it at not this the, point, right? I mean, the way these guys play, the way they can come in the side, I mean, it's, it's, I tell you. they're fantastic. I love hey, watching the college, you know, the college teams. You know, if we take those, the sh- Those are just, hilarious to watch. If we take the show live, which everybody keeps asking me about, and I have not forgotten about it, Cornhole has to be a part of it. Absolutely. On the stage before we go live. We Me should. versus you, Amirati. You I'll got take it. You down. We will have do. the Johnsonville Bratwurst sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> oh, extra ground. <laughs> So that'll be great. Spring training start in grave danger with Major League Baseball. MLBPA still not close to uh, an agreement. Zach Wasink of Yard Barker reporting. Me and Gio versus you and Harry. Oh, yeah. I get Harry. Harry might knock someone out. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll take that team. We have a height advantage. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Uh, in an update, in an update uh, becoming all too familiar to nervous baseball fans, it appears there remains no end in sight to the ongoing Major League Baseball lockout and threatens the start of spring training and perhaps regular season games due to begin March 31st. A week after stories surfaced, Major League Baseball and the MLB Players Association were still far apart on a deal. USA Today's Bob Nightingale and others explained the two sides met again on Tuesday with players set to report for spring training on the 16th of February. Um, as the Athletics' Evan Drellich tweeted, the latest negotiation session was, quote-unquote, heated, and in the grand scheme of things, brought the baseball community no closer to the start of preseason activities than was the case during the morning hours. Uh, apparently, the, one of the big move sticking points are um, the differences in the minimum salary, 775000 versus 615000 and luxury tax, $245 million versus $214 million. They remain unchanged. So, um, you know, it's all about money. We know that. So we'll see if we have a baseball season. But uh, I know a lot of folks are looking forward to baseball. And uh, A lot of folks like your um, shirt and jacket combo tonight, Rick. Oh, thank you. Very, very, uh, <laughs> very <you>. slick. <laughs> No pun intended. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. And uh, just one more quick one, Big D. Former boxing champion Floyd Mayweather Jr., he had a win, set to debut NASCAR team at Daytona. <laughs> he's, he's getting in the racing. Uh, uh, Red, I'm sorry, Rick, but I'm just laughing at the getter community because they're so funny. Red Dog Dave says, Big D and Slick Rick, 10,000 a game. <laughs> <laughs> Cornhole, let's get it on. Oh, man, that would be wild. Come on. Oh, forget it. But anyway, Floyd Mayweather Jr. is ready to put the money into NASCAR. The long-delayed debut of the Money Team Racing team is set for the Daytona 500 later this month. With Kaz Grala as the driver, the team secured sponsorship from sunglass company Pit Viper, and Grala will drive the number 50 Chevrolet for the retired boxing great. Mayweather is the latest A-lister on the grid and joins Michael Jordan and Pitbull as celebrities over the last two years who have become NASCAR team owners. UFC uh, President Dana White uh, struck a marketing partnership deal this week with Pitbull's Trackhouse Racing, starting with the exhibition Clash in Los Angeles, so that's going to be a fun, a real fun race there at the Rose Bowl. But uh, yeah, so that's it, Big D. That's a wrap in sports. Floyd Mayweather, watch out. He's going to be in, in and about the track. All right, very good. Uh, thanks, Rick. We'll do more sports at the end of the show. Let's do some news with uh, Rick Delgado. What's going on, Mr. Delgado? All right. Well, out in California, the Democrats fell fell short of the votes needed to pass a single-payer health care bill Monday that would force the government to take over the state's health insurance industry raising taxes dramatically to create socialized medicine for all, legal or not. Uh, the proposal CalCare attracted support from left, left-wing groups and strong opposition from business groups who pointed out the similar policy had already failed in Vermont, the home of Socialist Senator Bernie Sanders. The proposal would have required, check this out, $163 billion in new taxes, and that's not just on the wealthy, of course, because the wealthy are leaving California. The state Senate passed a single-payer health bill in 2017, but failed to explain how it would be paid for. Um, According to the Sacramento Bee, the bill aimed to create a so-called single-payer health care system in California would essentially replace private insurance with state-run health insurance system. California, what a dream. Yeah. California dreaming. Never, uh, Never was meant for this, I don't think. No, definitely not. And, and and again, it was supported by, you know, your basic left-wing lunatics, but I guess a, enough people found out about the raise in taxes and they were able to kill this thing. How about the governor yesterday? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I just took it off for a second. Uh, but we have video of you not wearing it for like four hours. No, yeah. no, no, no. <laughs> that wasn't no. me. 
Don't you worry about it. Everybody, you all wear your masks all the time. Especially There's you ma- kids mandate in, in place. Especially you kids in school. Do as I uh, say, not as I do. Don't look over here. I was feeling the spirit. I live from Studio 6B. We'll do more news when we get back right after this. minutes past the hour live from studio 6b put up the old national debt clock there g oh sound like the blues this is a good background while i tell you about our friends at birch gold inflation continues to rise and the national debt as you can see continues to go up and if it's up to president biden the democrats they're going to continue to run that clock as fast as they can and spend more of your money so you're probably considering your financial alternatives, and, well, I don't blame you. Paper money be- continues to become more worthless. The higher that clock gets, the more your money becomes worthless. How do you protect your hard-earned savings? And it is hard-earned. One of the options to consider is physical gold and silver, and the folks to talk to are our friends at Birch Gold Group. Birch Gold Groups are experts in precious metals, an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, and thousands of satisfied customers. Most importantly, they have options. You can buy gold coins. You can convert an existing IRA into a gold IRA. You can even convert an eligible 401k account to a gold IRA. Here's how you get started. Text the word AMERICA, send it to 989898, and you'll get a beautiful free information kit, no obligation at all. Text AMERICA to 989898. They'll show you how to protect your gold and silver investments in a tax-sheltered account. So get the facts, get started today. You have absolutely nothing to lose. Text the word AMERICA to 989898. Get your free information kit from Birch Gold today. They've made it super easy. Just text the word AMERICA and send it to 989898. Find out how owning gold and silver could help protect your savings. And by the way, I think the case for this, for Birch Gold, protecting your savings, there will be no, uh, you cannot have a stronger environment to make the case for this than we have right now. Than we have right now. Because the Federal Reserve, the, 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 um, the Fed is not going to get control of inflation by raising the federal funds rate four times by a quarter percent. Not happening. Even if you believe the phony numbers the government gives us, which I don't. So the case for inflation getting worse is absolutely there. And as I tell you, your ice cube of savings in the garage is melting and the heat's getting turned up. So, uh, all right, let's do some more news with uh, Rick Delgado. What's going on, pal? All right. Well, AOC says she's taking a break from Twitter, and she's back. 
Uh, yeah, Representative AOC from New York was uh, back on Twitter less than a day after she, she was taking a hiatus from the social media platform. She ended her brief break from Twitter with posts earlier today, one targeting Senator Joe Manchin for his opposition to President Biden's Build Back Better legislation. Uh, she wrote, seniors, kids, and people with disabilities in my community have been sleeping with bubble jackets on an 18-degree night despite paying rent because the NYH funding, blah, 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 uh, is needed for the, for Build Back Better. And that's Manchin's fault. Dead. Where should I direct them to wait in the cold? Manchin's yacht, she ordered. The tweets come less than a day after AOC revealed on Instagram Monday that she was going to take a break from Twitter, responding to her user as curious about her lack of posts since her COVID-19 diagnosis. Yeah, when I got COVID, I turned off all my devices, which means I really wasn't on social media. People kind of fight and gossip and all that stuff. Uh, There's a lot of negativity, but I'll be back. Don't worry. Uh, Thankfully, now she's back. So that's awesome. Hey, G, put up my uh, my uh, thing here for a second, because I've, I've seen John Rich a couple times refer to this. And man, you know how much I love country music, but he said recorded with an A-list player today who was fired from one of the biggest artists in country music for not taking the jab. Tears flowed, but in the end, she did not bow down. Good for her. These country artists market to you, but they ain't you. You'll find out name soon. Wow. Oh, man. That could be a, that could be a problem. If I find out it's somebody uh, like, uh, well, I don't know. I don't want to speculate. Come on, speculate. No, nah, I'm not going to speculate. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's more just, fun just, when you just, speculate. It's just too bad. I, I can tell you, I've, I've gone to some, con- I can tell you who would probably not. I can tell you for sure it's not Morgan Wallen. It's not Zach Brown Band. It's not, um, from what I can tell, not them, but I don't know. I don't know who it could be. We'll see. All right, what else is going on in the news? All right, the three largest universities in Virginia have dropped their sweeping vaccine requirements after the state attorney's general issued his legal opinion calling such mandates illegal. Uh, George Mason University, Virginia Tech, and the University of Mary Washington all announced reforms to their previously strict vaccination requirements. The colleges now emphasize recommendations to vaccinate without negative consequences for remaining holdouts. Proof of vaccination against COVID-19 is no longer a condition of students' enrollment or in-person attendance, nor will unvaccinated or eligible unboosted, I like that term, uh, students be subject to separate testing requirements, the University of Mary Washington wrote in a memo. Virginia's newly elected Republican Attorney General uh, warned that the universities would not be allowed to mandate vaccines for students in a legal opinion published last week, January the 26th. He wrote, Virginia's public institutions of higher education are public corporations. Uh, As such, they are afforded separate corporate status but remain under the control of the General Assembly and may only exercise such powers as the General Assembly has expressly conferred or necessarily implied. The attorney has also taken a hardline stance against... Hardlight stance on public policy from education to criminal prosecution, saying Virginia would be moving forward with common sense instead of partisan platforms. Unpopular mask and vaccine mandates at public schools and universities are a focus of both Mayaris and Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin. So there you have it. Uh, some good stuff coming out of uh, the state of Virginia. 
our it's friend, a new AG. Our friend Phil Kirpin, who was on this show uh, last week, said says the FDA is a completely broken government agency. Its two top vaccine officials resigned in protest. It stopped convening its outside expert panel that it kept overruling. We're going to go through the whole respiratory season with no variant-specific vaccines, still no commissioner. Biden turned Operation Warp Speed into Operation Smoking Crater. <laughs> <laughs> From Phil Kirpin. And last thing I've got here, the, well, the head of the World Health Organization announced yesterday that a serious internal investigation is underway into allegations that the U.N. Health Agency allowed a top official in the Western Pacific region to engage in racist unethical and abusive behavior. Uh, Tedros, the guy who runs the WHO, said the globalist agency was first made aware of the staff complaints reported against uh, the misconduct by Dr. Takash Takashi Kashai in late 2021. We take the allegation seriously, and of course, you know, they're going to do the investigation themselves, so you know they're going to find some, some real evil doing. A uh, recent investigation by the AP found WHO staffers alleged that Kasai, the agency's top director in the Western Pacific, engaged in unethical, racist, and abusive behavior, undermining the WHO's efforts to curb the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, and this was a complaint filed last October. The complaints were also emailed to the C to the senior WHO leaders last week that described a toxic atmosphere and a culture of systemic bullying at the WHO's regional headquarters in the Philippines. Of course, Kazai has denied the allegations, and the only way to get to the bottom of it is for the WHO to investigate the WHO. So there you have it. <laughs> good. There you go. Uh, so Whoopi, we talked about Whoopi yesterday. Oh, good. Oh, boy. Um... Well, just as I say that, I swear, breaking news right in front of me from one minute ago, Whoopi Goldberg suspended <laughs> from The View for two weeks for Holocaust statement, according to CNN. So we'll see if that's true. Literally just in front of me from FX Hedge. Yeah, there it is on the screen. One minute ago, Whoopi Goldberg suspended from The View for two weeks for Holocaust statement on CNN. So we talked about her original statement and what an ignoramus she is. Uh, yesterday well so then she puts out this apology and her basic apology is to point to somebody from the anti-defamation league and say yeah see what he said that's really what i meant which at the time i thought was weak i said that on last night's show how about you know do you just my apology is to point to what this guy said that doesn't really ring true well she wasn't done so she went on i mean she apologized on the view and she brought the guy on who she pointed to his tweet and said she she brought him on today. But let's skip that and let's go to cut 7G cuz then she went on Colbert, well, without Jonathan Greenblatt. And well, she didn't help herself. Cut 7, roll that. I thought we were having a discussion uh because I've I feel being black when we talk about race it's a very different thing to me mm-hmm. so i said that i i felt that the holocaust wasn't about race and people got very 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 angry and still are angry i mean i'm getting you know all of the the mail from folks and mm-hmm. the very real anger because people feel very differently but i thought it was a, a salient discussion because 
as a black person, I think of race as being something that I can see. So I see you and I know what race you are. And the discussion was about how I felt about that. I felt that, that it was really more about man's inhumanity to man and how horrible people can be to people. And we're seeing it manifest itself these days. But people were very angry and they said, no, no, we are a race. And I, I, I understand, I understand. I, I felt differently. I respect everything everyone is saying to me. And I, I you know, I don't want to fake apologize. You know, I, I was, I'm very upset about, that people are, misunderstood what I was saying. And so because of it, uh, they're saying that I'm anti-Semitic and that uh, I'm denying the Holocaust and all these other things, which, you know, would never occur to me to do. Okay, so we that's enough of part one, G. So now let's go to part two, cut eight. All that. Have you, have you come to understand that the Nazis saw it as race? Well, because they might, like, well, asking the Nazis, they would say, yes, it's a racial issue. Well, see, this is what's interesting to me, because the Nazis lied. It wasn't. They, they <laughs> had <laughs> issues with ethnicity, not with race, exactly. because Jeez. most of exactly. the Nazis were white people, and most of the people they were attacking were white people. So to me, I'm thinking, how can you, how can you say it's about race if you are fighting each other? So... It all really began because I said, how will children, how will we explain to children what happened in Nazi Germany? This wasn't, I said, this wasn't racial. This was about white on white. And everybody said, no, 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 it was racial. And right, so that's, that's what this all came from. So <laughs> once good, again. Gene. So um, I guess in summary, she went on the view, uh, she, she said disgusting and stupid and ignoramus things on The View, then went on Colbert, said more stupid and ignoramus things, and said basically what I said in The View is actually what I meant. Right. Yep. <laughs> and she put an apology in the middle, which clearly didn't mean anything. No. She, she's the perfect example of a low IQ celebrity whose privilege has allowed her stupidity to grow and go unchecked. Yeah, that's it's, all she is. It's also what happens when everyone tells you you're a genius on race your whole life, and you only see that through one American racial lens. She sees everything through the same American racial lens. That's mm -hmm. the real problem. And she's a dumbass on top of that. <laughs> All right, live from Studio 6B. God, that was harsh. More sports, <laughs> more but appropriate. More news uh, when we get back. Thirteen to the hour, live from Studio 6B. Just put up my uh, screen for a second, G, because I just want to try to finish the show where we started with the damn Republicans and just being so weak. So this is a um, Lonnie Paxton, who is a, a Sen Oklahoma state senator. In Oklahoma, the Republicans have, uh, I believe, a supermajority. Both houses and the governorship. But it doesn't matter. Because this is, this is Senator Paxton saying... No, no, no. The fight to def defeat vaccine mandates, let's, let's just send it to the courts. We don't need the state legislature to rule on it, even though the Republicans control everything and could clearly put an end to it if they wanted to. And as Wade Miller, and I don't know who he, Wade Miller is, I think he's 
says this is an amateur hour take by Senator Paxson of the Oklahoma Senate. To be clear, this is an issue that the legislature should take up and pass laws on. Abdicating one's duty to the whims of unelected judges is not a serious argument an elected official makes. And as Daniel Horowitz says, the government has violated every aspect of life, liberty, and property up until and including your body and right to breathe. It has gone on unabated for two years, and the courts have sided with it because of fools like this, meaning Paxton in Oklahoma, who have turned red state supermajorities de facto blue. And that's the core of the problem, other than in Florida. You have weak Republicans all over this country who will not take this on as the issue of our time. And that's the problem. And it's everywhere. Hutchinson is a disaster too. There's a bunch of them. You can't even get so-called red states where they have super majorities to pass these laws. To protect their own citizens from the tyranny of the, the tyrannical government. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, all right, let's do some more sports, and we'll do a little more news before we wrap it up. Slick Rick, what's going on? All right, big deal. Let's get a couple of quick scores in. NCAA Men's Division One Right now, Auburn hosting Alabama up by 10, 33-23 with five, a little over five minutes to go in the first half. That's Amanda Head's Auburn uh, Tigers there playing tonight. And then uh, Mr. Nolan's having a good night. The uh, Islanders lead the Senators 4-1 to one with just about seven minutes to go in the third. And Rick made sure that I knew that the Rangers defeated uh, the Carolina Panthers tonight Five to two. So the Rangers continue to be on a roll in the garden. And I love this story. Cincinnati Public Schools amend academic calendar, give students, staff, day off after Bengals-Rams in Super Bowl 56. This is Ben Baby, ESPN staff writer. Cincinnati. School children in Cincinnati will have something to cheer about no matter what happens in Super Bowl 56. Cincinnati Public Schools announced Monday that staff and students will have the day off February 14th, the day after the Bengals play the Los Angeles Rams in Super Bowl 56. In a letter sent to parents that was obtained by ESPN, the city's largest school district cited celebrating the Bengals' first Super Bowl victory as the reason it amended the academic calendar and made February 14th a day off. We hope that you enjoy roaring the Bengals to a win on Sunday and take this time to take pride in our incredible city and amazing football team, the district said in the statement to parents. So I thought that was a cute story. We'll see. Getting a little cocky there in Cincinnati. I think the Rams and uh, the SoFi Stadium are going to have a little bit to say. It'll be interesting to see see what the you know what you know usually it's kind of neutral even though they're the home team big d technically um i don't think that there'll be a big advantage as far as that goes super bowl is just who has the most the dinero to pay for those tickets as we all know um and uh, jerry west rips lakers over team revoking his lifetime season tickets this was posted on larry brown sports darren albert jerry west is one of the greatest figures in the history of the los angeles lakers franchise but they apparently did something to really tick him off in an interview with sam amick of the athletic on today the basketball hall of famer west opened up about his contentious relationship with the lakers of late and ripped the franchise over one particular issue that they recently repealed the lifetime tickets that were given to him by the late dr jerry buss west 
West said that his wife Karen received a callous text message from the Lakers last season informing her that the West family's seats were being revoked without warning or explanation. Well, I'll tell you, that's, that's, that's unbelievable. Uh, it was a cold phone text to my wife, said West. No one had the nerve to call me. You know, and uh, apparently, uh, you know, Dr. Buss did leave those tickets for him. So really a tough situation. And the Lakers have a lot of issues. I know the daughter, Jeannie Buss, is currently operates the team. But uh, apparently uh, she needs a little help in the public relations department because you don't diss one of the legends, one of the greatest Lakers of all time. He's right up there with Chamberlain, Magic, and, and a lot of the other greats. So anyway, Big D, that's a wrap in sports. He must have uh, maybe spoke out. Well, maybe not. Maybe spoke out against uh, vaccines or, uh, or I don't know. LeBron. LeBron find out. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. the first thing that came to my mind. Could be. Don't have that in the report, though, but yeah. uh, could very well be. Uh, statement from ABC. Thanks, Rick. Thanks. Uh, st- a statement from ABC. Kim Godwin, president of ABC News. Effective immediately, I am suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks for her wrong and hurtful comments. While Whoopi has apologized, I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn about the impact of her comments. The entire ABC News organization stands in solidarity with our Jewish colleagues, friends, family, and communities. So we'll, uh, we'll see what comes of this now. Whoopi goes away for two weeks and actually comes back, or if, uh, well, we'll see. What do you think about this? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if she does come back. Let's face it, ABC got rid of Roseanne for a, for a tweet. Right. Um, who else have they gotten rid of? They got rid of the, uh, the well, Disney D- people. Dis- Disney can Gina Carano yeah, I was just about for to say. a Holocaust reference, by the way. Right. Sloppy, sloppy too, but not nearly, nowhere, nowhere even, even close, close to what these comments were. Right. I know Corona was warned by Disney after another previous tweet, and then she went ahead anyway. So, but her tweet through. was basically. I should probably just pull it up instead of just guessing. I mean, I think it was a little sloppy the way she used a reference of comparing something to how serious of. But she was actually historically correct in what she was saying, at least. Right. I think she was comparing the hypothetical vax pass at the time to the armbands worn by the uh, is that what it was? The okay. Jewish people. I'm right. I'm not 100% sure, but that's how I remember. That's you know, great. just like I said as a rule for all all you all you comedians uh, out of work comedians out there, it just doesn't work. There's no comparison to Hitler or the Holocaust or anything in any way shape oh. or form that ever goes over. It just doesn't go over. Find something else. It just doesn't work. So, any other news, Rick? Uh, yeah, well, I was just pulling up that Gina Carano text, or, or tweet, I should say. It says, Jews were beaten in the streets not by Nazi soldiers, but by their neighbors, even by children. Because history is edited, most people today don't realize that to get to the point where Nazi soldiers could easily round up thousands of Jews, the government first made their own neighbors hate them simply for being Jews. How is that any different from hating someone for their political views? That was her, that was her tweet. Not very sloppy, kind of, kind of dead on, actually. Yeah, if that's it, not a, not a, not what I remembered it being. Yeah. So interesting, but uh, yeah, the one one final thing: the Republican National Committee members, uh, they're looking to get rid of and expel uh, Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger from the House GOP conference. The Republican National Committee member and the former Trump advisor is asking the party to vote Thursday on a resolution demanding that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy expel Reps Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger 
from the House GOP conference for their participation in the Democrats' January 6th investigation committee. Uh, Cheney of Wyoming and Kinzinger of Illinois, two vocal critics of former President Trump, uh, agreed to join the January 6th committee on their own after McCarthy was denied the right to pick Republicans to serve on the panel. They have since become outcasts from much of their party. So... Hey, uh, Slick Rick, I see Pro Football Talk put out a tweet. The Brian Flores lawsuit will use on-the-record quotes from NFL executives and undeniable hiring statistics in an effort to prove racial bias, and the NFL should be very concerned about that, says Pro Football Talk. Of course, Matt Walsh from The Daily Wire, Ben Shapiro, and our friend Michael Knowles' uh, place echoed kind of what I said, and he said the idea... The idea that the NFL is systemically racist against black people is, of course, completely insane and the kind of thing that only the dumbest person could possibly believe. But the NFL deserves this for pandering to the BLM crowds. And there's probably some <laughs> truth in that as well. So, Payback. Either yeah. that or they'll just uh, dig up some more John Gruden texts and throw those out there. Well, that's still pending, too, that whole mess. All right, as always, we salute our military, active and active police, firefighters, first responders, EMTs, everybody on the front lines. Thanks, everybody on the show. Thanks, G. Thanks, Fran. Most of all, thank you, the live from Studio 6B audience. We'll see you tomorrow night on a Wednesday, 8 p.m., live right here from Studio 6B.